The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, friends, thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to Patreon.com slash BP Show. Patreon.com slash BP Show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. It is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today on a Wednesday, March 7th. March 7th? Feels like it was just a week ago that it was February. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to The Bill Press Show. I am here all day while Bill is still out of town. He's going to be back here tomorrow. Lord willing, the crick don't rise. You won't be stuck with me for much longer. Uh, just going to get through today's show, and then Bill is back. But boy, what a show we have in store for you today. Folks, we have so, so many stories yet again that happened late in the day. How many times, Ray, have we planned out a show only to watch it go completely washed away by the 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 torrent of news how many days um has donald trump either been vying for the president's seat or has been president that's how many yeah that 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 many that's exactly it like you know it's so funny because yesterday we were still in that like sam nunberg hangover like what what the hell happened on monday and like I was in some conversation with somebody, it's like, how many times in the last year have we said like this is the craziest news day we've ever seen, and and yet it just keeps moving right along. Oh boy, lots to talk about here on the show. Remember, you can find us. On the internet at BillPressShow.com. We are also on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Show. Don't forget, we have our podcast. You can get our podcast on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Show. We're very close to another milestone. So for God's sake, just go subscribe. We've been lingering there for quite a while. What's so wrong with you people? What's wrong with you people? Also, we do have access to the analytics so we can see how many of you are tuning in and watching for the entire show and That's are it. not subscribed it's yeah. free yeah it don't cost nothing and it's wonderful seriously I mean... like we tweet out the link every day that we do the live show so you can go watch the show on youtube but it's a big difference between uh just clicking on the link and watching and actually subscribing so all i'm asking you to do is watch harder try a little harder just hit the subscribe button uh, when I was here last, last week I filled in, uh, while Bill was out, I talked about how Walmart and Dick Sporting Goods had changed their gun policies. This was a totally, uh, you know, they, they had changed it to where 
you had to be 21 to buy any gun. Dick's, they were doing away with an AR-15. By the way, Ray, I went to Dick's, and I made a purchase the day after they made the announcement. An AR-15, because you're a An AR-15, <laughs> yes. I went and bought an automatic weapon. <laughs> Before they take your guns away. Well, I've been needing a new gym bag. Yeah. And I was like, I could buy one on Amazon. But, but I feel like retailer. I'm going to go vote with my with my wallet. I'm going to go vote with my dollar. Got to vote with your dollar because I, I do wonder how much in federal taxes Dix has paid because you may remember Amazon has paid zero. Exactly. A big fat zero. No, I'm not anti-Amazon. Like, it's hard to be anti-Amazon, but I was definitely really bummed out by the whole Amazon not paying taxes thing. So I was like, you know what? Dix did the right thing. Amazon's not paying their taxes. I could go to Dick's and I could go get a uh, I could go get a gym bag. Yeah. You gotta vote with your dollars. I voted with my dollars. I got a new gym bag. Uh well a new poll found that both companies, both Dick's and Walmart, saw increased support following their moves to raise the minimum age to purchase a gun. That's reporting from a friend, Addie Baird. We'll be talking to her uh, later on in the program. Uh, this was a big poll from YouGov. Uh, asked people, sort of like, how do you feel about uh, folks doing that? Like I said, we'll, uh, about Dix and Walmart doing that. We'll talk to Addie Baird in the third hour, along with Graham Vise, our buddy, staff reporter from the New Republic. He's in uh, for the 8 o'clock or the second hour of the program. And uh, we'll be joined by uh, White House correspondent for Roll Call, John Bennett, here in just a couple of moments. So stay tuned. Big, 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 biggity, big, big show here on the Bill Press Show. Again, my name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. Stay tuned. On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, it is the Bill Press Show all day long, or at least for the next couple of hours, while you are joined, uh, while you are joining me. My name, well, my name is Peter Ogburn. I'm here for Bill all day on a Wednesday, March seventh. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, gosh, so much to talk about. I first of all want to start out with. Uh, the bonkers story about Stormy Daniels, because the Stormy Daniels story just will not go away. And it's like, this is just who Trump is, right? Like, like he did something really dumb. Uh, and then they tried to pay off Stormy Daniels. Right, like apparently he had an affair with Stormy Daniels, and they tried to pay her off, and they didn't even do that right. They screwed that up, right? They tried to have her sign a hush agreement regarding the uh, sexual encounter between uh, Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels, which, again, it literally any other president, this would be dominating the, the, the headlines, completely dominating the headlines. But it's it's Donald Trump, so it was like a footnote to the news, when this like first came out, but the the reason I say this is classic Trump is he does something completely dumb. He tries to cover it up, and he completely screws up the cover up, completely messes up the cover up. The cover up is a disaster. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. I'll read directly from CNN here. Uh, 
A new lawsuit filed by the porn star known as Stormy Daniels claims President Donald Trump never signed a hush agreement regarding an alleged sexual encounter between the two, and therefore the agreement is void. So, is there even an agreement if there was never even an agreement if both parties did not sign? That's like saying we had a deal, but you didn't shake hands. Or you should be a lawyer. I should. Like, what is wrong with... I mean, look, first of all, I, I'm frankly, I'm glad he didn't, so now we can have this conversation and she can move her lawsuit forward. But, like, what the hell is wrong with him? Is he just that... St- I don't want to ask that question, because we know he is that stupid, but... <laughs> like... This is what I've always said. I said this from before he even came into office. The problem with Donald Trump is to be... Everyone's like, oh, he's going to grift the United States. He's going to do this, do that, which I agree, yes, he is. But to pull off a successful cover-up of your bad behavior, you have to be willing to do things that you don't want to do. And that's what's going to get him snake bit. That's what's going to get him in trouble. Because he's not a details guy. Like, if you are going to pay a porn star hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep quiet about an affair that you had with her like months after your baby was born gosh if this is considered a detail that is difficult to keep track of this is like the only detail this is the only detail and it's a pretty big one lawyer i'm going to cover this up well client here's what you need to do you need to pay them hush money and sign an agreement that keeps them quiet you know it wouldn't okay lawyer me. i'm not going to sign that i'm gonna be i'm gonna forget to sign it it wouldn't surprise me if he ev- never actually remitted payment to his lawyer so there's no lawyer confidentiality it truly would not surprise me he has the a history lawyer. of not paying his lawyer michael cohen said he paid for it out of his own friggin pocket mm. So what did Donald Trump have to do with this cover-up? Doesn't sound like nothing. anything. He didn't do anything. So, look, if that's the case, and we will find out in the coming days, Stormy Daniels, excuse me, the porn star known as Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford is her real name, but look, she wants to be called Stormy, I'm going to call her Stormy. I'm pro-Stephanie. Pro You're pro-Stephanie? And pro-Stormy. Whatever she wants to be called. This reminds me of coming to America. <laughs> Mama called him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> if, if, her, if, if she wants to be, whatever she wants to be called. But my point is, if Donald Trump never signed an agreement, she, she absolutely has earned the right to come forward and sue him. So... I'm I'm not a lawyer, uh, but boy, oh boy. According to the legal complaint filed in California State Court and tweeted out by her lawyer, which... God bless America. Welcome to 2018 in America. Uh, Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, signed the document on behalf of the president instead. Well, they're going to find out whether or not that's legally binding or not. I'm not sure that he has power of attorney to sign that much money over to a porn star. But uh, here's what they said, quote, despite Mr. Trump's failure to sign the hush agreement, Mr. Cohen proceeded to cause $130,000 to be wired to the trust account of Ms. Clifford's attorney. He did so even though there was no, listen, there was no 
legal agreement and thus no written non-disclosure agreement whereby Ms. Clifford, Stormy Daniels, was restricted from disclosing the truth about Mr. Trump. The the lawsuit says Cohen has attempted or continued his attempts at silencing Clifford, including as recently as February 27th, 2018. February 27th, 2018. That was like last week. This was truly last week. To be clear, (laughs) the attempts to intimidate Miss Clifford, Stormy Daniels, into silence and shut her up in order to protect Mr. Trump continued unabated. For example, only days ago, on February 27, 2018, Mr. Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, surreptitiously initiated a bogus arbitration proceeding against Ms. Clifford in Los Angeles. Remarkably, he did so without even providing Ms. Clifford with notice of the proceeding and basic due process, end quote. So this is, like, look, obviously this is bad. Obviously this is amoral behavior and having an affair uh, the way that Trump has allegedly done it with Stormy Daniels is not good, right? I'm putting that aside, right? We can all agree that that's the case, okay? But if you are in a position that Donald Trump is in and you have had an affair with a porn star and you are going to try and cover it up, okay, you would think that you would take it somewhat seriously. And to have your bumbling bungling <laughs> lawyer Michael Cohen who is who has plenty of problems on his own to have him try and harass this woman at the center at the tar- uh, like the, the the center of this hush agreement for months to try and get her to stay quiet that doesn't really seem like crossing your t's and dotting your i's and any of that stuff it just seems like it's just haphazard, slapdash, get it together uh, to try and keep her quiet. Anyway, that's where we started the show this morning here on the Bill Press Show. Remember, you can get the podcast. Uh, we put the whole show up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just go look for the Bill Press Show. Leave a leave a comment, subscribe, leave a review. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice, and we need all the reviews and ratings that we can get. Here's the thing. To keep delivering this wonderful podcast to you every day. Here's the thing. We give you the podcast for free. Doesn't cost you a thing. All we ask is just, like, just leave us a nice word. If you like it, if you listen every day, just leave us a nice word. It would mean a lot. And here at the BP Show, we have a huge team, so we have our interns reading the reviews. All day long, All right? day long. All day long. Just kidding. It's Down me and in- Peter reading <laughs> yeah, exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Down at the intern factory, where we have all of our interns. Uh, so, look, the other big story of the day, we're going to ju- we're gonna jump into this with John Bennett uh, when he gets here in just a couple moments. But it, it's remarkable that Gary Cohen... Yesterday, this is one of those stories where we thought we were going to go one one place with the show, and we ended up having to go completely different. It was around 5 o'clock, 5.30 last night. Gary Cohen came out and said, I am leaving the National Economic Council. He is uh, no longer going to be with the administration. He was the head of the Economic Council. He's the chief economic advisor. Quote, I am grateful to the president for giving me this opportunity to wish him and the administration great success in the future. Now, why would Gary Cohn leave? It could be because Trump doesn't listen to his advisors. Oh, well, Ray, you can't just make <laughs> that accusation. 
<laughs> okay, I think that there are receipts to back this one up. Though. Yeah, you, you actually can't back that up. Uh, here's the thing about Gary Cohn. Uh, he's being already repainted as a globalist. Mick Mulvaney came out and, and immediately was like, oh, I, I thought he was a good guy, but, you know, you just can't work with globalists these the days. The spin in this White House it's is unbelievable. unreal. It's unbelievable. It's unprecedented. And so Gary Cohn, by the way, who gets zero credit from me. No, zero. Anyone that... Agrees to work with Trump, zero credit. And Gary Cohn had the opportunity to leave and had his foot out the door after Donald Trump essentially said some of the white supremacists in Charlottesville are good people. There are good people on both sides. And Gary Cohn didn't leave over that, but he he's going to leave over what? Tariffs? Yeah. And it hasn't even me? been officially proposed yet. It's just Trump spouting his usual BS. Right. right. So, Gary Cohn, uh, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> Your T-shirt is on the way. Hashtag yeah. resist. Hashtag resist. Uh, welcome to the resistance. We're also happy to have you on board. Look, I mean, I, like I said, Gary Cohn gets zero credit from me. I, anybody that wants to praise him and, oh, he's finally had too much. He's had too much because... Of the, the, the tariff situation, not for the misogyny and racism and excusing white supremacy. Like, that would have been a great leg to stand on if you wanted to get out, right? If you were trying to get out of the Trump administration, that was your golden opportunity. But now, it's over the tariffs. Now, by the way, leaving over the tariffs is valid. There is a real problem with the tariffs. Donald Trump yesterday, right, it's the very first clip that we played, was talking about the trade war that he has now created. When we're behind on every single country, trade wars aren't so bad. Trade wars aren't so bad. When we're down by 30 billion, 40 billion, 60 billion, 100 billion, the trade war hurts them, doesn't hurt us. Okay, so... First of all, he acknowledges that this that that he has entered into a trade war, which is not small, right? Like I, we had mentioned this yesterday, and he just sort of throws out there, "Yeah, we're in a trade war. We're going to win it." He doesn't understand the gravity of any situation. Like, no, North Korea is a perfect example too, right? He still talks about it as if it's in the abstract and as if like we're just playing a game of risk instead right. of playing with actual lives, actual, you know, economies. Yeah. That doesn't matter. No. That doesn't matter to him. So if you, if you look at the NBC News report that I, I referenced on yesterday's show, uh, essentially Trump was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier at all the news, and he just sort of felt like, because this is who he is, right? He's sort of a micromanager in that, in that if it's not, a micromanager who can't handle details. A micromanager who can't handle details. No, really. Which I, 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 micromanager is essentially just a baby making right, demands right, 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 right. with no actual plan. Micromanager might be the wrong word, but like he likes to put his hands in everything. I think it's an accurate word. Even though he doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Correct. So in other words, like a small child. Like a small child. Lots of demands, yeah. very little understanding. Yeah. So he just sort of felt like he had to do something. So he entered into this tariffs, uh, the, 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 this this trade war, which has pissed off a lot of people, including some Republicans like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan had to come out and say, "Oh, well, you know, uh, we, this, I would have maybe done it a little bit differently." 
Clearly, there is overcapacity dumping and transshipping of steel and aluminum by some countries, particularly China. Um, but I think the smarter way to go is to make it more surgical and more targeted. More surgical, more targeted. Uh, that that I, I don't disagree with that. If you're going to do it, I don't disagree with that. Donald Trump, by the way, uh, said at the uh, uh, about protecting American workers. This is something that he has campaigned. Uh, he campaigned on. He said this is what he was going to do, and now here we are, and we finally have it, according to Donald Trump. I'm here to protect, and one of the reasons I was elected is I'm protecting our workers, I'm protecting our companies. Okay, when you think of what we are good at now, what we are good at making, what we're good at manufacturing here in America, uh, there are a couple things that come to mind. Bourbon, blue jeans, Harley-Davidson motorcycles. But yesterday, the European Union hit back on Donald Trump. Jean-Claude Juncker is the guy's name. Juncker, Juncker. President of the European Commission made the remarks to a German news media in reaction to the proposed tariffs. This is from the New York Times. They said that they would put tariffs on products like Harley-Davidson motorcycles, Kentucky bourbon, and blue jeans if Donald Trump goes ahead with a plan to place tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. So when you hear Donald Trump saying, I'm going to protect American workers, I'm going to uh, bring these jobs back, I'm going to, uh, like, what he's really saying is, I'm going to flail around and try and bring back a dead industry does this remind you of anything else that Trump has said or done? And, oh, by the way, at the same time, I'm going to tank other jobs that are actually thriving here in America. That are actually experiencing growth as well. Like, yeah, he refuses to admit the reality of a lot of things. It harkens back to when he's talking about bringing back coal. Like, coal isn't a thing anymore because people don't want coal. No. Look, guys. It's it's very very simple, and I and and I, I hate to put it quite so simplistic here, right? But like, coal ain't coming back. It's not coming back. Coal ain't coming back. There are a lot of manufacturing jobs, some of the steel manufacturing jobs, they ain't coming back. Okay, so many people have already made the point that yes, machines, the machines, they're coming for your jobs. And that's just the reality. Robots yeah. can make things way more efficiently than humans. So we need to reinvest and think, and how can we pivot from this moment into finding new jobs? Right. Um, maybe like renewable energy, which he's also taxing. Like, look, the, the robots are coming for your jobs. And you know who's putting those things into place? The job, like the, 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 the employers, the workers, the big companies that Donald Trump is also trying to cozy up to. So he can't have it both ways and say he's going to protect your jobs while also trying to revive dead industries, okay? The steel manufacturing industry here in America will always be there. Quite frankly, but it it's, also... But it's, but it's not coming back in a way that, like, people think it's going to come back. No. It's going to look different because that's just how time works. That's how countries and societies evolve. Right. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. As one great poet once said. As one poet of our time has yes. said. So, like, look, if the European Union, which, by the way, this is Europe, the European Union, these are our friends, right? This isn't, like, the fight that Donald Trump is trying to pick with China. I don't 
know. Europe may have thrown away their half of the BFF they, to, bracelet. To, 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 to be fair, they, they absolutely might have I've, thrown that I away. I think that might have gone That's up. That's a very yeah. good point. But, like, we like to consider them our allies, right? Like, we like to consider them our allies. And so they are now saying they're not going to buy the things that we are actually really good at manufacturing. So that that's great. That's that. Make America great again. Which is also a shame for Europe because blue jeans and bourbon are two of my favorite things. And one of them is one of my favorite things. I don't know. You like bourbon so much, right? And Harley Davidson. I'm too scared to ride a motorcycle. I'm scared. I am scared. No, I really am. Uh. So th- th- there's that. And the Republicans are sort of ganging up on Trump now. They're all sort of sort of starting to come out of the woodwork and saying, like, well, this is, ooh, maybe pump the brakes on this big guy. We don't like this idea so much. And Donald Trump just yesterday just completely oblivious, completely not paying attention to what his party is telling him. He's just, yeah, we're going to push through. We're going to just make this thing happen. So, like, you know, I, I don't know where this ends for Trump and the Republicans, but it, it's certainly a, a little bit of a of, of infighting that they're going to need to get resolved. When because, two? by the way, this this could be an issue for the midterms. Oh, it's going to be a massive issue for the midterms. When two of Trump's loyal lapdogs, Ryan and McConnell, are disagreeing with him yeah. publicly, you yeah. know that there's trouble. His economic advisor quit, quit over, over this, this reason. Which, by the way... You know, Trump had a wonderful thing that he said. Do you, should we play this for the people? Please. All right. I would so love that. here is Trump's reaction to Cohn leaving, which he basically is just you know his usual whatever yeah. about everyone being the best, everything about him being the best. <laughs> oh, I love it. Believe me, everybody wants to work in the White House. <laughs> They all want a piece of that Oval Office. They want a piece of the West Wing. Really? Really? I don't know. I asked Hope Hicks and... (laughs) Well, here's the thing, right? Like, when he says that, it's just completely untrue. Because not only are we seeing this mass exodus of names that we recognize leaving the White House, Hope Hicks, Gary Cohn... Uh, the Rob Porter scandal, lest we forget, was a month ago, less than a month less ago. Less than a month ago. Uh, you, you see all these people leaving. But uh, it's not just that. It's, there's, there's, there's a bench of supporting players that sort of rise up and take over once somebody leaves, right? Like if Michael Co- or, or, or excuse me, Gary Cohn is leaving... He has a deputy that would it would be a natural progression for him to just take the job. Well, here's the problem. Cohn's deputy, a man by the name of Jeremy Katz, left in December. Oops. So they don't have anybody. And, like, that is the most classic Washington game. I get appointed as uh, deputy to the secretary of whatever, and I just bide my time and wait because that secretary will leave and then I will be the natural choice to take over, right? Well, the problem is there aren't any natural choices to take over. So it's not just that he's losing uh, his employees and he's losing members of his team. It's that he's losing members of his members' team. So he has nobody to promote. He has no friends. He has run out of family yeah. members to put into these positions. <laughs> right. So they Tiffany will just be Trump. Tiffany, Tiffany Trump. Tiffany Trump will be the new economic advisor. Baron Trump.
Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Barron's the deputy. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted last night at around 8 o'clock last night, uh, quote, we'll be making a decision soon on the appointment of a new chief economic advisor. Many people wanting the job will choose wisely. I'm sure a lot of people want the job. The problem is anybody that wants the job is probably not qualified to have it because they'd have to work with Donald Trump. And anyone who is qualified for the job doesn't want it because they would have to work for Donald Trump. Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, this is just talking about the National Economic Advisor. This is not... This is an issue. Okay, our government right now looks like... Um, Swiss cheese. There are just yeah. holes everywhere, vacancies everywhere. He came in and he didn't. There are just so many empty positions in our government, and it's no wonder that it's kind of coming to a slow, sad, grinding yeah. halt. Yeah. Squeaking along, yeah. barely. Barely. By the way, one final story that I really want to update on, which I, I've, I've just been mesmerized by the story of the West Virginia teachers. Uh, because they went on strike. They were on strike for eight days. The governor, Jim Justice, uh, said last week, hey, we're going uh, we're, we're to give you all a, a 5% increase, which would raise them from like the 48th best paid uh, state for teachers to the 47th. Congratulations. Like it was a step in the right direction, but it's like a- Barely Look, I, I moving the I, needle. I, I don't want to discount it like completely out of sure, hand but I because don't it think is some were, progress. But like, come on, they weren't really listening to the educators, and it also doesn't actually address one of the root problems, which is that there are so many holes there as well. There aren't any substitute teachers willing to fill in for these teachers. So when a teacher is sick or needs to be out for any reason, the kids just don't have a teacher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, here's the thing that that, that kind of is bonkers about this whole story. <clears throat> Jim Justice yesterday said they finally got it done. It's a new day for West Virginia. Hooray, hurrah, wonderful news. Here he is. Today is a new day for education in West Virginia. We will move forward. No more looking back. West Virginia renews its investment in education and our precious children today. Okay, here's the thing. Okay. This drives me kind of nuts. Because why did we even have this problem to begin with? Because the governor, Jim Justice, uh, helped push through tax breaks and tax cuts to companies, coal miners, big corporations in West Virginia. Uh, and so they don't have to pay as much taxes, and so now you don't have the money to pay the teachers what they deserve. And so you get to this point where the teachers are pushed to a breaking point, and they have to strike. Now, Jim Justice is a Republican governor, but he wasn't always a Republican governor. He used to be a Democrat. And I saw a tweet the other day that really pissed me off from uh, Joy Ann Reed. And she was like, Oh, Democrats, this is why you have to go out and vote. This is this is what Republicans will do to you if you don't go vote. Well, the problem is West Virginia used to be the most Democratic state in the South up until like 1998. Robert Byrd, the great Democrat from West Virginia, was there forever. They reliably reliably voted democratically in the state of West Virginia. But the problem is they elected too many of these goddamn blue dog Democrats who came in and completely sold them out. Jim Justice was elected as a Democratic governor of West Virginia. 
and then he switched. So to sit here and say, like, oh, just blindly vote for Democrats, Democrats screwed the state of West Virginia over by trying to be both things, by trying to be Democrats and trying to by, by trying to be progressive to the Democrats and fiscally conservative to the Republicans. And look at what happened. It blew up in their faces. So don't sit and act like, oh, this is all the Republicans' fault, which, look, plenty of blame goes on the Republicans here. This is a conservative problem. But at the same time, like the people of West Virginia did their job. They were voting democratically. They were voting for good candidates for a while. And then all of a sudden, those candidates turned into Republicans. What Republicans used to be. I think that the underlying message here is run more women, vote more women in office. Amen. Amen. And actually do your homework before you vote. Do your homework before you vote. Like, look, I understand that the Democratic movement, the progressive movement, is going to need some conservative Democrats, right? Like, I I, I get that. I don't discount some of these people completely offhand, right? I, I, I don't. And I know that there was like those there have been some issues about some people who are Democrats and they reliably vote democratically, but they are pro-life. Right. Right. Which which drives me insane. But at the end of the day, would I rather have a Democrat who's going to uh, uh, vote with 99 percent of the things that that are really important and be really, really wrong on this one thing or a Republican who's going to be wrong about like everything? Sure. And also, I think that progress is incremental. And I know that that's not the answer that a lot of people want. And I think that people want to blow things up and just start anew. And I often feel that way, too. But I mean, I agree with you that 99% in the right direction is better than 99% yeah. in the wrong direction. Yes. Somebody tweeted me and said, are you serious about West Virginia? Yes, I am serious about West Virginia. Okay, I do want to um, add a small side note about Bird, though. Isn't he the reason that the Capitol building, until recently, was still powered by coal? Yes. Mm. Robert Byrd, no, no, no. He had his own He had his no. own. Oh, Robert Byrd was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Yes, that he was, was uh, my he next was a problem. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to say that Robert Byrd is, like, the perfect politician. No, but this is a perfect but example But he was a of, Democrat. Yes, this is and, a, yeah. But he also fought very hard for the people of West Virginia, which is why the coal thing was, and which, like, look, at right. the time, wasn't as problematic as it would be now. now. Yes, but this all goes to say, and to further supplement your point, that not all Democrats are beyond reproach. And I I don't know, Peter, I'm conflicted about having this conversation right now before an election, because I do think that you could blindly go in and vote Democrat and still I think be now you off. could still go blindly and, and, and vote democratically. That, that, that's but if we're point. having but a also, larger conversation about the political trajectory yeah. of the country, yes, I think that Democrats must, all politicians, wherever you fall on the spectrum, should be held to a higher standard. Yeah, but, it, but it's also, my, my point of that is it's primary season. So think about that before you go yes. vote for someone who's endorsed by, you know, absolutely DLC and, or whatever, right? Like, fi- like find someone who, who believes matter. with your principles. How democratic was West Virginia? By the way, that's the point I was trying to make. Uh, it was only it was one of only six states to support Jimmy Carter over Ronald Reagan in 1980. It gave its electoral votes to Michael Dukakis <laughs> in 1988. So just to make that point, right? right. Someone who's, who didn't believe that West Virginia was actually Democratic. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Okay, chaos in the White House uh, is the story of the 
day of the, the year, year of the presidency, what, yeah, the whole presidency so far. Uh, I want to talk about what all has happened in the White House uh, with John Bennett, our buddy John Bennett. He is uh, the White House correspondent for Roll Call. We'll get him in studio here and get a little update of what the hell is going on. Kellyanne Conway might actually be in some real trouble. We'll talk about that. Stay tuned to the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It's the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogden, sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Feel free to chime in. Let us know what you're thinking as you watch the show. Uh, we'll read some of your comments on air as we get going. Uh, also, don't forget, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. I am joined now by the White House correspondent for Roll Call, Mr. John Bennett. He's on Twitter, at Bennett John T. John, good to see you, man. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Wild times at the White House, huh? As always. As always. It, I used to, uh, uh, as a sports fan, I used to uh, kind of roll my eyes when athletes would say, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, about three or four months into into this presidency, I started, that's kind of the mindset I, I, I adopted. It's really the only way I think you can do it. And uh, most day, as far as being at the White House, kind of a one-man show, you just have to adapt and think of it. This is what it is. You're covering the presidency, but you're you're covering the chaos. That's it's really the chaos beat. Okay, on the chaos, on the fact that this is, we we can acknowledge that this is chaos. I have this conversation a lot with some of my my conservative friends and conservative family members. Right, like no matter what side of the political aisle you are on, like you just have to admit that this is kind of chaotic. I think, and, I, and, and I don't mean it as a derogatory thing. I mean, right. I, obviously, I do think it's derogatory, but right. like, I don't mean it to be necessarily derogatory. It's just chaotic. It's by un- design. Yes, I mean the the president to the president must like this to a certain extent. We know he he we know he feeds off, uh, especially cable television coverage of him yeah. and his presidency second, and. One way to ensure that when he looks at, you know, we've all heard about the he's had installed around the White House and in the residence. Yeah. One way to ensure that you are on the screen and, and being covered and talked about is to to kind of foster some of this what chaos, disorganization, um, you know, dysfunction is derogatory. But just this constant this constant action that's always swirling this swirl, I guess, is a way to put it. Um, you know, so I don't know how upset the president is that Gary Cohn is leaving, uh, because you know that's being covered right now, and you know, so folks aren't you know cable networks last night not so much talking about um, uh, the aide who was who was going around the other night um, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, and some of the allegations he made, and some of the things he said about the president, not talking about the president and the trade war directly, talking about Gary Cohn, and then the president. Watching all of this last night, I'm sure, yeah. and fires off that tweet about many people wanting the job, yeah. which I'm, which we'll see about that. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, the Sam Nunberg that that captured right. the the news cycle on Monday, 
Yesterday, I thought it was remarkable how quickly some people just explained it away by saying, like, this is we shouldn't be watching this because this is a guy having a breakdown. And I do agree that he had some sort of a breakdown. Like, he reached right. a breaking point for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Like, either he was drinking, which Aaron Burnett said she smelled alcohol in his right. breath while she was interviewing him. Right. Uh, or whether he just had the pressure of the whole job and carrying this stuff around for so long finally caught up with it but for and, whatever and reason legal fees he may be thinking sure. about you know hundreds of you know a hundred thousand dollars or so in legal fees something caught up with him something right something caught up with him internally yeah. right and he just sort of snapped yeah. but I, I, I you know it's worth talking about this is a guy that worked he was hired by donald trump and worked with him for five years and he sat with the special counsel and his team he's been questioned by those folks so you're right you have to filter out if there's any there in what Nunberg was sure. saying, and you know he, you know he, he was there for a while. Um, he was um, not a senior advisor, but he was, you know, kind of that next level. Yeah. So he was talking to senior advisors. He worked for senior advisors, so he knows something. And you know, the comment that he thinks the president did something. Yeah. You know, I think that that's worth some scrutiny. Agreed. But again, you know the the performance that he put on it it really makes it tough to to know exactly how credible credible of a witness this is. But the special counsel thinks he's credible enough to subpoena him. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So we mentioned Gary Cohn. Ray, I want to play that clip of Donald Trump saying everybody wants a piece of the Oval Office because <clears throat> now Gary Cohn is out. He resigned. Donald Trump tweeted he'll be making the uh, quote, we'll be making a decision soon on the appointment of a new chief of economic advisor. Many people wanting the job will choose wisely. This is something that he had said earlier in the day before the Gary Cohn thing was official uh, about uh, how how popular he is. Believe me, everybody wants to work in the White House. They all want a piece of that Oval Office. They want a piece of the West Wing. That doesn't necessarily seem to be the case, John. You know, that was I was in the East Room yesterday for the joint press conference, and that was uh, one of a handful of just, you know, remarkable moments. But we always get those from the president. And, sure. you know, he is a former reality show executive producer and, and, I guess, star host. So he likes these moments. And um, but he also says things. And, you know, I think there's a pattern here of. When he says these things, he is you, you can tell that he's covering for you know, the fact that I think he's going to have a tough time finding a communications director, a tough time finding a new chief economic advisor. If you know, if one thing out there is uh, Mick Mulvaney, who's the who's both the consumer financial uh, uh, agency head and also the office of management and budget head, if they move. Uh, Mulvaney over, then you have two vacancies you have to fill. I, I think they're going to have a hard time finding folks, and I think the president knows that. And but he says these things, and you know this goes back to when he would he would call up, um, you know, the New York tabloids, and he would he would get away with it. He would he would say things, and they would print it, and he I, he still clearly thinks he can do that as president, and he's got you know. 50 times, 100 times, wow. 1,000 times the, the scrutiny now, and it just doesn't it just doesn't hold up. It's so funny because I've said that <clears throat> for a year now since he became into office. Like The D.C. press, a lot of the people in the Washington, D.C. press, are still trying to figure out how exactly to cover yeah, Trump. Yeah, I think that's right. 
And the people that cover him best are the ones that have covered New York politics right. or just the New York beat for so long. That's why, like, you know, people who were there when Donald Trump became Donald Trump, they know exactly who he is. Right. Right. Like, right. They know where he comes from and how he how he makes a name for himself because he did it in New York. Right. Just by doing exactly what you just yeah, said. I've tried to study those folks. I've tried to to listen to them. Um, you know, stop what I'm doing when when they're on CNN or MS, NBC or, or wherever. Read when they kind of write analysis pieces. Yeah. And just I've tried to study that because I wasn't I wasn't there when sure. Donald Trump became Donald Trump. But you're right. I, that's how you have to come. You have to understand him. Um, you know, we had a, a, a little a team meeting the other day and I advised a colleague to think like Trump. And the reply was, I can't. <laughs> and I shot back, but but you have to. That's yeah. the way you have to cover. You have to at least try to think that way and try to understand how all of this happened. And once you understand that, you can see where some of this is going, you, you, and you can understand it, and you can cover it kind of from maybe a more realistic lens. And I think you're right. Uh, some folks are still s- having a very hard time um, trying to understand this, and then that that kind of, I think that does hinder hinder their coverage. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's it's tough to yeah. get in there and, and think like that. <laughs> but you, but you, it's kind of like you know, it was the first, you know, during the transition. Um, I really tried to understand how this happened. And having grown up in uh, rural North Carolina uh, near Charlotte, that's Trump country out yeah. there. You get you know ten minutes out of Charlotte, that's Trump country. I'm from South Carolina. Right? These are my people. Like right. I know who they are. So I I understood that part, and then you had to go back and study who this guy is yeah. and, and how he got to be this this persona that he lives. Yeah, it's it's it really is fascinating. Just just in terms of like looking at how he became who he is and like how he got elected to office. Mm-hmm. There were people. I mean, I said from the moment he got into the primary, he's going to win the primary. Yeah, I, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I wasn't so sure about the general election. I think I, I didn't was, see that coming yeah, necessarily. I was, I was I was flipped. I said if he wins the uh, the primary, uh, then and it was going to be Hillary. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I I said eight months before before the general, even before he right before he wrapped oh, up wow. the nomination, I said he'll he'll win. There's yeah. no way she, there's no way she can beat him. That, I mean, I, and I, people laughed at me. I was laughed out of rooms. I believe that. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah. But like in hindsight, I it makes perfect sense. Right. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Uh, another news story of the day from the White House talking about the chaos. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is in some trouble. Uh, apparently, she may have violated the Hatch Act. What? You know, uh, this this is going to happen when you have such a free willing White House. Um, you know, she she does not have a policy role. You know, mm-hmm. she has some issues that she works on, op- opioids and, and things uh, she's been involved with. Um, but kind of one of her primary things is to go out on especially Fox, mm-hmm. uh, Fox and Friends in the morning. And push for uh, Ivanka Trump's clothing <laughs> line, right? Well, there's that. <laughs> that too. <laughs> there's that. Um, but she's kind of the attack dog. Yeah. And she's very good at um, at at ginning up the base. She's very good at speaking their language. This is why she was brought into the campaign in the first place. She she understood, uh, you know that that they needed to get that big turnout of the base. She knew how to get the base excited, um, and she knew the issues to to. Hit. She knew all the buttons to push, and she does that when she goes on television. Um, you know, sometimes she's on CNN. Sometimes they'll have her on on their morning show. Um, and if 
if you look at the White House's statement yesterday denying that she violated the Hatch Act, and then you go back and look at her own words on some of these uh, cable interviews, she is she is directly, um, well, maybe not advocating that strongly for Roy Moore in the Alabama special election. She, she certainly was arguing against Doug Jones. It's right there. It's her own words. I mean, I, you know, I try to be as obje- objective as I can, but she's saying he'll be terrible on this issue and, and will raise your taxes and, uh, you know, be terrible on national security. That that sure sounds like yeah. political. Absolutely. You're doing a political function while you're standing on Pebble Beach outside the White House as this as this, you know, a senior counselor to the president. OK, so a special counsel found that she violated the Hatch Act. They write a letter to Donald Trump, and they say, hey, she violated the Hatch Act by doing these things that you just outlined. So then what? Well, we'll, we'll, like, Is it up to Donald Trump to punish, or is there like a way that the special counsel gets involved? Or like, what, What's the protocol here? Well, I believe the special counsel could, could move forward with prosecution. Mm. Um, the letter, the way I, I read that on a busy day yesterday was, you know, trying to get the president to tell her to knock it off. Yeah. Um, especially as we're heading into primary season and then, you know, we'll get hot and heavy soon into the to the midterm uh, elections. I think that was just a warning shot from the special counsel. You tell her to knock it off. You know, probably don't want to prosecute here. Um, but if she's out there from now until Election Day uh, pushing for for Trump preferred candidates on yeah. national television, then the special counsel, she may you know, either you tell her to knock it off or she's going to force her hand. That's how I read that. Yeah. I was, I was trying to find a tweet because there was somebody at one of the Trump uh, allies, one of his spiritual advisors or something tweeted out. Yeah, here it is. Uh, sources say Kellyanne Conway might get put on double secret probation for this Hatch Act violation, LOL. So, like, doesn't sound like the people around Trump are taking this very seriously. Well, they need people out there. They need, you know, surrogates on television. They need, uh, they they love the backdrop of the White House. Yeah. Especially on Fox. Sure. Um, and there is a very short list inside the White House that that is as much of an attack dog on television as, as Kellyanne Conway is. Um, you know, Sarah Sanders isn't really going to get out there and do that. She says at the podium all the time. She'll take a jab or two, and then sure. she'll she'll stop herself, and she'll she'll mention the Hatch Act. Yeah, that that she doesn't want to break the law, and her staff does the same thing. But Kellyanne has a certain amount of freedom yeah. that, and she's been clearly given that by the president. He he watches Fox and Friends. We know this, and so he clearly likes what she does on that show and on other shows. So maybe double secret probation. Maybe we don't see Kellyanne for a week, two, three weeks as much on television, but. Clearly, the president thinks she's effective in that yeah. role, and and there's really I can't think of really anyone else uh, that can do it with quite that freedom. And you know, she could go back to the private sector if push came to shove. I'm sure it'll come up between Donald Trump and Kellyanne Conway, but I really don't think anything major is going to come of this. You know either. what I mean? I don't like, either. What, yeah. what, is, what is he? Care? It's a unique role that she's she's kind of carved out for herself. Yeah. And I, I, the president clearly likes what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, and again, another crazy uh, news day yesterday, uh, Donald Trump talked about the Russian interference 
into our elections, which we know happened in 2016. Uh, and here we are. We're in midterm season already, coming up to the election of 2018, and nothing has been done. Donald Trump talked about it yesterday. I'm going to play a couple of clips. First of all, he said that uh, not only Russia, but lots of countries tried to influence our elections in 2016. The Russians had no impact on our votes whatsoever, uh, but certainly there was meddling and probably there was meddling from other countries and maybe other individuals. Okay, I'm really not trying to make a joke. Uh, Has there been any other report of other countries trying to meddle in our elections 2016 i haven't seen anything from the intelligence community or or the law enforcement uh community the the report that came out uh i guess in october uh 2016 was about russia that uh and and all 16 intelligence agencies agreed and having covered national security before before this life i can tell you getting those 16 agencies to agree on something and then Putting out a public document like that, that's really hard. That's really hard to do, to yeah, get all those yeah. folks to agree. So, you know, countries do this. I'm sure China, for example, um, did something. Uh, I, we, you know, the U.S. likes to, to, you know, the U.S. likes to portray itself as above these kinds of actions. <laughs> right. But uh, let's be realistic here. We got our hands plenty of these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but I haven't seen anything that, you know, the Chinese set up this this cell, for lack of a better term, like the Russians did. Um, so Trump is, for whatever reason, uh, deflecting here a little bit for Russia he's trying to to blame them without putting all the blame on them and you know, this is the big question here why does the president repeatedly do this yeah. and why does the he do, and he rarely says uh two words vladimir putin right. especially critically right. he'll talk about still wanting to thaw relations and that was a campaign uh a, a campaign goal that he would still like to achieve and you know you have to wonder if if that goal is what kind of got them too far down a road, and we we probably won't know um, why the president does this and won't criticize Putin publicly until Mueller issues whatever report and takes whatever actions uh, he might later this year, next year, or whenever he's he's ready to do so. By the way, if anybody's worried about the elections coming up in 2018, Donald Trump says, don't worry about it. We have a pretty fail-safe system in place. It's old-fashioned. But it's always good to have a paper backup system of voting. It's called paper, not highly complex computers, paper. And a lot of states are doing that. They're going to a paper backup. Okay. Where where did that come from? Speaking of uh, remarkable moments yesterday in the <laughs> East Room, right? Uh, that was like, that was probably the, the capper, right? I, I, I didn't quite expect to, uh, to take the note, the, the quote. <laughs> Because the trick there is to kind of get the money quote from right. Trump, and um, uh, it, it's called paper. John, it's called paper. It's called paper. Um, the president, you hear this? The the president sometimes will go to these uh, these simple solutions for things. Yeah. Um, we saw it. We see it with the gun violence and the school shooting issue, school safety issue. Uh, just arm the teachers. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we had paper ballots when I was. 22 let's do that again uh this is a pattern where he goes to these you know the the kind of the first thing that you would think of um 
And, of course, the follow-up is, what about hanging chads? Right, that, that, that's exactly where my mind went. Yeah. I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, not again. Right, and, you know, we only get in these things, you know, the two questions for each side when sure. it's a, a visiting world leader. And, uh, you know, the, the Swedish reporters did a good job yesterday. They they helped make some news, uh, but... But I don't. Nobody was quite ready yeah. uh, for that follow up, and yeah. that, that may have come, that may have happened at the at the end after the questions. But yeah, I don't think uh, I, I just don't think the election the election industrial complex is not going to 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 allow the whole country to move to a paper based system. They've got contracts, yeah. and there's too much money to be made from, as the president said, these complex computer systems. Yeah. Uh, good stuff there. I appreciate it, John Bennett. You can follow him on Twitter at Bennett John T. He's the White House correspondent for Roll Call. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. Steal yourself for yet another chaotic day at the White House, sir. It's only Wednesday. Oh, boy. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> coming up next, uh, Graham Vise. He's staff reporter at the New Republic. He joins us in studio with me, your host, Peter Ogburn. Stay tuned, everybody. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogwood, sitting in for Bill Press Day on a March 7th, Wednesday, all day long. Uh, Bill is back tomorrow. But I am here doing what I can to steer the ship, along with the um, invaluable help of Ray Rogers running the board. Uh, but I, I often say this whenever I'm hosting, I like to bring in smart, big brain people to help me through the show. Stop. Surround myself with good content, <laughs> not unlike the way that a donut surrounds an empty, vacuous hole with wonderful goodness. Today, the wonderful goodness is... Graham Vise, he's staff reporter of the New Republic. Hi, Graham. It's called paper, Peter. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. You're here for the whole hour. Yeah. Which is great. We've got so much to talk about. Uh, I, I want to talk first of all, by the way, in, in these days that everything just sort of flies by us at the speed of light, uh, here's a story that you might have missed. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has quietly begun allowing... <clears throat> More trophy hunting of African elephants. You know, I did see this. I had, a, I think, an environmentalist friend who was... Uh, and, and isn't this a reversal in some way of something Trump had said? It's like a reversal of a reversal because right. they were going to reverse it to let people do more hunting. But yes. Trump said, whoa, right. let's pump the brakes on this. Let's not do it. Last year, he said he was going to uphold this ban on importing uh, parts of animals killed by big, big game hunters. Yes. And now, and now it's just like, eh, just, just throw it up again. It's great. Very quietly. Yeah. <clears throat> just like quietly put it back in there. And like, 
And, you know, sort of returning to the theme that Trump's public pronouncements often have no bearing on the policy that he ends up enacting. Yeah, exactly. He just says whatever he thinks people want to hear at that time. It has no bearing on what he actually (laughs) believes and what he will actually implement. It's true. You can have your uh, immigration proposal, Senator Feinstein. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, sounds great. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> until for 30 seconds. Until yeah, until, yeah. until somebody else talks yeah. to me and right. talks me out of it. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service issued, I'm reading directly from the uh, Puffington Host, uh, the issue, uh, the agency issued like a f- formal memo on Thursday. Say, well, I guess it's it's Huff Post or Puff Host. Now. Puff Host. Puff Host. Yeah, yeah. You gotta shorten it. Right. Uh, saying it would consider issuing permits to imported elephant trophies from African nations on a case by case basis. I would love to know the case you have to make. All you have to say is that you are Trump's son. Yeah. Right. They, who happen to be big game hunters, and you will receive this permit. Who is on camera holding an elephant's tail that he cut off after oh he shot it. Oh uh, Throwback to Cecil the lion as well. Oh, poor little out from my homie, out. Yeah. Cecil the lion. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> I had, frankly, I had forgotten about it. We laugh, but it's really truly terrible. Do you forgotten. that was a thing for a whole week? Oh, yeah. At least. Oh, yeah. At least. And you then. Know, it was longer than a week. And you, know then. What's, you know what's funny about it? Yeah. It's like, it's remarkable to think that we actually had the bandwidth to get outraged over that type of thing. That's what I mean. I Bill actually, spent yeah. two hours talking about Cecil the Lion yeah. when yeah. it first dropped. Yeah. yeah. I actually think that the the the, the 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 first dropped. That's my album is fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, check out check out Cecil's mixtape. That's, that's right. <laughs> I, I think like the in some ways the the Stormy Daniels yeah. plot line is maybe the most illustrative of this of how you've said this already today, but like let's just think about what how this would play in a, with another president. Literally any other president. It, it, it is an absolutely bonkers storyline. Yeah. And yet, it and yet, even for me, it feels like, oh well, you know, am I really going to get, you know, uh, that upset about, you know, it's like I, w- I want to dig into this with you a little bit more after we take a, a, a just a really quick break for our, our radio stations to join back in with us. But like, I, I don't know what the hesitation is to just like go all in on this story. Like, this is a woman who's made allegations. Mm-hmm. There is a paper trail that shows that Trump's allies at least tried to cover it up. I. I want to get into that with you. Let's take a very, very, very quick break. Uh, Let some of our radio stations join into the show. It's the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be right back. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, my name is Peter Ogburn. I am here hosting the program uh, with the help of our good friend Graham Vise from the New Republic. Good to see you, buddy. Nice you, too. Uh, by the way, if you, if you don't listen to the podcast... You're really missing out because I know a lot of you are listening right now on WCPT in Chicago or Indiana Talks or in Asheville or any of the great stations that, that carry the Bill Press show. Uh, but if you're listening on those stations, you don't hear the whole show. 
We do like a five-minute uh, uh, intro to every hour that only gets heard on the podcast or seen on the on, on our uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Bill Price Show. But if you want to hear the things that you missed, uh, go download the show. We had a we had a great little conversation about Cecil the Lion. In case you all forgot. He's Those are the kind here. of moments you wouldn't want to miss. That's, who would so want to miss that? It's important to get the whole the Exactly. Whole I have uh, to say, I listen to the podcast. I listen, uh, I use TuneIn, the app. There you uh, go, yeah. You know, I'm sure you can get it on lots of different platforms. Yeah, uh, we're everywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's sometimes when I uh, can't catch the Bill Press show in the morning, I will then use the TuneIn. So this guy. I do. Look at this guy. You know, I don't even have to plug our own product. <laughs> hey, I yeah. think he's vying for the intern spot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Newly opened. Apply on BillPressShow.com. Like everybody com. wants a piece of the Bill Press Show. That's right. Everybody wants a piece of the Bill Press Show. It's just like the Oval Office. It's right. just like the White House. Um, okay, so, uh, by the way, on, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, we, we have a chat room. You can join in the conversations there. Do we have some things there yeah. for some people? Okay, first, we're going to start with a hot take. You ready? Oh, I love a hot take. It's a take quake. Brace it's yourselves. Brace. Okay. Sam Eric says, also, Trump is right about tariffs. Dems and progressives should embrace the policy since it will preserve slash bring back some decent jobs. Oh, buddy. Oh, Sam. Oh, buddy. Sam. I mean... Look, I understand the the enthusiasm about it. I understand why you would want that to be a thing, but it is not a thing. Like those manufacturing jobs, they're gone. They're not. They're just gone. They're so, gone. I mean, yeah. Okay. We also have some people who are in favor of the paper. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have. Um, George folks, Hamilton. It's called paper. Folks, it's called listen. paper, folks. folks. It's called paper. Th- the by- Egyptians called it papyrus. <laughs> that, by the way, folks. Uh, that's another. This, this, this. Uh, I, over the past like twelve hours, we're in a couple like key Trump ticks. One of which is believe me. Right. He believe says always says believe me. Believe me. Uh, he said be- he said believe me. Uh, everyone wants a piece of of, uh, of the of the Oval Office. Everyone wants a piece of the West Wing. And mm. the second the second is uh, is uh, you know w- w- uh, it's called. He yeah. says it's called. It's called. It's called. It's called paper. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So we have George Hamilton who says Virginia got our paper counting machines in very short order, and there's no reason the rest of the states cannot do the same. Uh. Okay. Sure. I mean, sure. You know, like, I, I don't, I, I can't. Like, we, I don't know enough about it. I, I honestly don't either, but <laughs> right. I can tell you this much. The solution to the problems that we're having, uh, the solution to Russian interference. Stone tablets the, chiseled the, the, in. The, well, like, it ain't paper and, ballots. And particularly because there, there, there used to be at least a vision of, you know, voting online and sort of like, I mean, in other words, uh, sort of making voting more difficult. Okay, let's also remember not too long ago in Virginia we had an election and... Uh, yeah. It came down to one ballot for a local race, mm-hmm. and the Republicans just beat through their candidate, essentially saying, hey, look, this one ballot that's in question is not so readable, and then their candidate won, quote-unquote. And then you have this this election, which was decided by picking a name out of a bowl. Picking a name out of a bowl. That's so true. you can weigh in in the chat room. Um, we are found at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. I'm also old enough to remember uh, the hanging chads. Yeah. The Florida recount. Oh, yeah. people are going to have fun with this um, at Halloween. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> like, it was 
barely humorous back then, it is a hundred percent not funny anymore. <sighs> like I like if you're gonna be a person who's thinking of dressing up as a hanging chad this Halloween, <laughs> think again. Yeah. Laugh now, cry later. Or, yeah, exactly. I guess it's been long enough now where we're just in the crying phase, no longer the laughing phase. I guess, but like, oh, God. Oh, boy. So uh, on that uh, topic, by the way, of of the elections, mm. Donald Trump is running again. Like, I love all of my... He's on board. I love all my liberal friends who are like, oh, he hates this. He's miserable. He's not running for a second term. Oh, really? First of all, running is the part he likes. Exactly. Right. In other words, the the the, it, the, the, the sort of the sort of activities associated with campaigning—that's the fun part. Yeah. He gets to go to have the big rallies and 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 you know, <laughs> I mean, large arenas, right? Filled with adoring fans, adulation, yeah, total adulation, yeah. Uh, constant coverage. Mm-hmm constant coverage, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I hope that the media has learned their lesson from this past election. Um, so there was never any doubt in my mind that no. he was going to run for a second term. I, there's okay. really very little in mine as well. So now that we know he's running, how does he win? So I uh, wrote a piece last week uh, on this very subject, and I have to tell you that uh, for a you know a liberal journalist, uh, being the banner on the Drudge Report was kind of a surreal experience. But uh, but by the this, way, <laughs> that is like a, 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 for those of you that are not in this business of show yeah. or in this business of journalism. Like, it was my first time ever. It's so, a big so deal, I'm man. Sorry, you know, I'm 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 you know bragging because it's never happened before. But uh, but uh, basically, I did this piece that sort of looked at this sense that I think a lot of liberals have and certainly had throughout last year that, uh, you know, the, the Trump presidency was imploding and that and that certainly, um, you know, with the special counsel and, and, and the various, uh, you know, investigations, you know, there, there it just was, was inconceivable that Trump could be reelected, you know, to a second term. And, you know, this was by no means, uh, you know, everyone who thought this, but it was sort of a pervasive sentiment. And actually, there were uh, there were, you know, lots of Republicans who at various points yeah. sort of set a version of this. You know, yeah. Steve Bannon at, at one point was reported to have put um, Trump's chances of reelection at something like 30 percent. And then he walked it back anyway. The point is, I talked to a bunch of uh, really smart people. I talked to Nate Silver. I talked to um, Larry Sabato at, at the University of Virginia. I talked to um, Alan Lichtman, who is an American University professor who has correctly predicted the outcome of every presidential election except for one since the 1984. And basically what they all said was, oh, yeah, like, this could definitely happen. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a combination of uh, incumbents in general tend to get reelected. Uh, the economy uh, is on the upswing. Uh, people are uh, starting to like the tax bill, which, by the way, is an immediate problem for the Democratic Party yeah. and the progressive movement, because it, it, I think it's widely believed that, uh, you know, the, the, the tax legislation and, and law is, the, is one of the key battlefields in terms of, you know, how people think about that uh, will determine how well uh, Democrats do this fall. Um, but there are a variety of other factors as well. I mean, you know, the, the Democratic Party uh, is, is going to have uh, a, a very uh, it's certainly there, it's heading towards a very um, large 
potentially messy primary uh, in 2020. Now, I think, you know, that's obviously good. You know, the party has a, a big conversation to have about the direction it wants to go. Is it moving left? Is it, uh, you know, uh, hugging center? Is it uh, w- w- what kind of candidates does it, you know, want? Is it, there's like reporting uh, this week that, you know, Deval Patrick is sounding more and more like he's going to run. I mean, it seems yeah. like, like ton, it's going to be a huge, tons of people are going to run. Yeah. Um, and, but I think, I think basically, uh, we have to start preparing ourselves for the fact that it, it will probably, um, be closer than we expect. And that, uh, if Trump is in a position to run for reelection, which is still an if, I suppose, uh, he, you know, he, he will, we should expect him to be competitive. So I have to say, I, I was of a mind after Donald Trump won the election uh, that we that he's going to be president for eight years. I, I was up, really? like immediately I was like, oh, God, it all made sense to me all at once. It all it was just like, of course, he beat Hillary Clinton. Of course, he got elected president. Of course, all of this. Right. But I, I also have to say I have a lot of people in my life who are Donald Trump supporters, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Uh, and I think it's actually for better because you have, I, I do ins- think it's you better. have insight that folks, you know, who are in a bubble don't have. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I look, I, I really do think I didn't find it humorous. I didn't, I found, I took no pleasure in seeing all of these DC journalist lifers who, uh, never get outside the beltway mm-hmm. and, 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 and all of that, like to just be completely blindsided and like dumbfounded that this could happen. Like, I mean, and I was basically one of them. I mean, in other words, well, I mean, a I, lot I, of people I was were. to a degree. Yeah. A lot of people were. I, I was to a degree. Yeah. And I stepped back and I was just, and I, and I just had to reevaluate everything. It's just yeah. like, yeah, you know what? Like, this makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Of course he got elected president. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so anyway, I was <clears throat> sort of of that mindset, like, he can do this again. And I still do think he can, because as we know, politics moves pretty damn quickly. But, you know, I do have these people in my life, these Trump supporters. I think of one friend who I've referenced many, many times on the show. He is a farmer in mm-hmm. South Carolina, and he voted for Donald Trump, proudly voted for Donald Trump. And I remember probably three months after he was sworn in, and he texted me, and he just goes, you know, i got to be honest. <clears throat> I really thought he was going to get it together. And I thought he was going to take the office seriously. I thought he was going to do a better job. And, like, look, I, I, like, I never thought that that was going to be the case. But I understand why people would think yeah. that. Like, there are politicians that do that. My parents, for example, both of them Trump supporters, wow. both of them voted for Donald Trump. Wow. And I had the conversation with them not that long ago. And they're just like, you know what? Like, And what are their just... comp- misgivings now? Like, what are the things that have disappointed them? So, f- 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 a lot of it comes down to respect for the office. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to understand when you are president, the office is bigger than yourself, right? Like, and, and look, if you if you run for president, you've got to have the biggest ego in the room. Oh, yeah. And, like, I get that. you got to look in the mirror and say, I should be the most powerful person in the world. Exactly. Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Okay? Like, you, let's just put that up, the, uh, like, aside. You are going to have the – you are the most egotistical person that, that most people will ever come across. All that being said – there is a respect and a reverence for the office that you are not the president for the the people that elected you. You are president for an entire country. And every move that you make, every decision that you make, every law that you push for or enact is some sort of pushback to the people of America. This is where I stand and this is what I believe in. Right. And if you treat it like a reality show which I think 
we can all agree, even Republicans can agree that Donald Trump has, if you treat it like a reality show, don't be surprised when people don't take you very seriously. I was going to say that, you know, this is a man who does not have it together, not during his campaign and certainly not after. He wore, instead of a tie clip, he scotch taped his tie together during the inauguration, friends. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have it together in his own life. He doesn't have it together in the office. There's no sense of decorum. And I also know a lot of Trump supporters in my family. Um, And, you know, the turning point for some of them is actually the gun issue. They do not appreciate Trump's new stance, new, quote unquote, stance on guns. Well, the polling is pretty lopsided on that issue. In other words, particularly on at the margins on stuff like um, background checks and sort of banning of the sort of most militarized types of guns or or restrictions on them. Um, I mean, this it's one of these issues. I think it's sort of akin to even the minimum wage where like if you actually poll the country, it's not like it's a 50-50 split. There's actually a lot of consensus. It's just that, you know, the the politics have never squared with that. So now we're at this uh, at this point. I think that for Donald Trump to win re-election, I think he would have to get his act together and actually look like. Uh, well, like, 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 I'm just saying. I, I don't believe that this is going to happen. And Ray no, makes the point that he but, didn't have his act no, together he and he was elected the president. But what I mean <laughs> is that I think that he will. A, I think that he will be re-elected. I'm sorry. You do bearer of the That's bad fine. news. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I would say that is not I that is not my my, my view is that he can be reelected. So, I think so, he so can we're clear. Be. No, yeah, I, yeah. I think he can be. I'm not so sure that he will be, but I definitely would not be shocked if he was. But go ahead. That's my point. I okay. think he will be. The and president. why do you, you think he will? Why? Because I think that the main reason that he won is because he struck a nerve in the American people that plays on divisions that have and maybe always will exist in the U.S. Okay, I agree. Race divisions, class divisions, gender. Like, this, there are so many different layers as to what Trump was presented as the reactionary candidate to the first woman being the Democratic nominee. Following the first black black president. Like, this was you can say that it was about taxes you can say that it was about guns no, you can no, no, say no. That actually it was about you shouldn't no, no, because no, no, because it wasn't about any of those I, yeah, things. I don't think that it wasn't yeah. i think yeah. that it was about america having to come to terms with the fact that we are a racist sexist nation okay but here here's what i would say uh, it, 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 a lot of those uh, you are 100% right but a lot of the people that voted for trump because of those reasons, they will tell you, oh, I'm not racist or I'm not sexist or whatever. And they believe it. And they believe it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is Donald Trump has gotten so bad at hiding his naked racism, his naked sexism. But do the people care that you know? Because the people I know, some of them they do. don't care. Some of them do. Some some of them do. And so, like, let's say, let's say Donald Trump, who obviously didn't win the popular vote, but let's say Donald Trump wins with the support of... of the country. Yeah. Okay. Out of that 49%, I'd say he's lost some. Sure. Because of his actions. Now, there will always be 35% of voters who will say, I don't care. I would be willing to believe that there are, for example, some, you know, suburban women, white suburban women who who ultimately, you know, voted for Trump, who probably told themselves, 
you know, it won't be as bad as it yep. seems. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, he'll get it together. I, I know I can rationalize this choice. I'm sure there are a lot of voters that did that. You know, and, and then some of those people are probably disappointed. I mean, the thing I worry about, though, I have to say, and, yeah. and I think either I or, or one of the people I quote uh, raised this issue in my piece, how Trump gets reelected on NewRepublic.com. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, tweet it out. Uh, we will tweet it out. Basically... I, polarization and tribalism, you know, is so strong that I worry how, about how many of those people come home in the end. In other words, once there's a Democratic nominee, God forbid it's a more progressive left wing Democratic nominee from their perspective. Uh, do those people say, you know, I, I was, I, I didn't like some of the things Trump did as president, but I certainly can't vote yeah. for X for Y. That's that's I think the the fear. Here's what I would say to that: the the reason that Donald Trump is president isn't because there was an overwhelming outpouring of support from Republicans. Republicans voted for Donald Trump. Yes, they did. But it wasn't like there was some surge of people who went to go vote for him. It was that there wasn't a lot of support for the Democratic. Well, candidate. let's also not forget that Hillary did get the majority of actual votes. Yes. And I know that this is a drum that many people have beat repeatedly, but it it is important because there were you know there's a sizable portion of people that came out that came out in opposition to Donald Trump and I think that this is how he could lose in 2020 is if there's such a strong reaction to disagreeing with his politics and his policies that it's essentially just like a steamroller that yeah. rolls right. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and so, like, if like, the, like for example, the white women that elected Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? Like, we know women we of color are the people that could save us. Yes, but also the white women that voted for Again. Donald Trump. If they just don't vote, that right, that's a game changer. That's right. And I also think, but I think, I think what you're both saying is true, which is that. I, Graham, wh- everything I say is true. <laughs> <laughs> Take this show with yeah, fact, yeah, people. But wait, you've, you've made a, a, a big swing from I'm the vacuous hole of the donut to everything I say is true. It's called paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's called paper, Graham. Look it's it up. It's called paper, Graham. You hear this? Um, but, you know, just to, to Ray's point, I mean, I think uh, the other thing that will be a factor is uh, people who are uh, inclined to vote progressive, who are inclined to vote Democratic, who either didn't vote in 2016 or were not involved in politics and say, like, oh, I guess the country is going to hell. Yeah. You know, I better get involved. Yeah. You know, though that will be, uh, you know, another. I mean, if you look at the number of people that vote in both midterm elections and presidential elections, like there's a whole swath of people out it's in the small. country who could, like, be voting or not voting. Yeah. So that's, I think, ultimately where... This all leads to another story that you wrote that I really I, I I loved this story because it's all about the people who are um as you put in the in the headline they want to love Trump to death. Yeah. Uh and there are some notable faces on here Cory Booger, mm-hmm. uh, uh Van Jones, Sally Cohn. These are people who uh you see on TV all the time and they are offering more love, more empathy, more uh Civility, more kumbaya, right? As opposed to the anger that you see a lot of Democrats have at the Trump administration. Yeah, I mean, we might. I, I'd be interested in your take on this because we might uh, see it differently. I mean, I 
I think that the notion of just bl- blindly loving Trump, which I don't think anyone is really suggesting, including these folks, um, you know, is obviously not the way to go. Like, I mean, Trump's a, a pretty odious figure. I think I think it may be uh, Van Jones who who said who has said, you know, I'm really trying to love Trump, but it's it's really hard. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so so yeah. so they 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 know about that. But I do think I mean I think the the, the reason I wrote the piece and the and the debate that I think is interesting is that uh, there are a lot of Democrats, you know, who increasingly believe or, or and, and who have historically believed that Democrats want to vote for someone who inspires them. They yeah. want to get behind a, a, a candidate who, who, in addition to being the the sort of opposite of Trump, uh, you know, is going to sort of offer the kind of hopeful uh, message that Barack Obama o- offered. Now, it's obviously a different moment in history than when Barack Obama was first elected in 2008. So it's going to, you know, I don't think you're gonna, just going to rerun that sort of, you know, hope and inspiration message. Uh, but, uh, you know, David Axelrod has this great uh, saying that voters uh, look for the remedy, not the replica of the current, uh, you know, president. Sure. And so if the sure. if the replica of Donald Trump would be a kind of uh, a bully, a sort of nasty, you know, uh, you know, Democratic nominee, which, again, I, I, I'm not sure, like, who that would be like there are. It's not like. It's not like there's a Trump equivalent that we see on the on the Democratic side no. at the moment, uh, but I do think you know uh, the, uh, the, the the sort of premise of the piece is that it it is a tr- it is a tough needle to thread that you know you want to have uh, a progressive movement that it, that goes whole hog against Trump against everything he stands for that gives voice to the abject frustration and anger that liberals feel. Um, but, I, you know, when when it comes down to picking someone uh, for 2020, you know, I, I, I think someone who sort of offers a, a, a an optimistic, you know, positive vision, um, you know, is, is probably what voters will want. I mean, I, what do you what do you I, think? I think that's yeah. absolutely spot on. Like, I do find guys like Cory Booker and, and Van Jones a little annoying. You find them grading. I find them grading. Yeah. I do find them grading. But there is a point, like, part of the reason that we are here right now uh, with Donald Trump as president and the divisive nature of our politics, like, I think, yes, Republicans have lots of things to add to that environment. But I also think the Democrats, the way they've looked down on uh, rural voters, the way they've ignored rural voters, I think that they have to take some accountability uh, in that. And... I, I've talked before on this show about, you know, J.D. Vance and that hillbilly elegy, which the book drives me absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I hate it. My, my, it. my colleague Sarah Jones has written about uh, that book as well. She's, she's with you. She's, okay. She's... It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Somebody gave it to me for Christmas. <laughs> right in the trash. <laughs> right in the trash. Yeah. I don't throw books away. I don't think throwing books away is good. I write in the trash. And the, But the point of that book is basically like, these are the voters that you'll never reach. You're never going. I mean, it's, it's part of the part of the book's point, but like there are voters out there that you will never, ever, ever reach. Rural voters, Democrats will never touch. And I just could not, I just could not disagree more. Yeah. Because, look, we have as a party hated on these voters. We have hated on the flyover states for a long, long time. Maybe not hated, but certainly ignored. Mm-hmm. Hated in some cases, ignored at best. I think Bernie Sanders is a perfect example of there actually is more overlap than one would immediately assume. Yes. Yes. For two reasons. One is, I mean, there's overlap with probably all 
uh, stripes of voters in those places. But let's recall that when we talk about these areas of the country, often the the media profile of these voters is of white voters. Awful lot of voters of color in these places yes. as well. Yes. You know, I mean, one thing I think that Doug Jones proved in Alabama is like, you know, it turns out that there are a lot of voters of color in those places who can sort of energize a campaign. Swarm the you know, polls. In addition, to, in addition to white voters. Yeah. So I mean, th- I mean that that is why Doug Jones won. Mm-hmm. I mean, also the fact that his opponent was uh, <laughs> right. a, like a, literally a, the a worst child candidate. Molester, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yes, people of color that came out to vote. And and when you were a Democrat, and Doug Jones, by the way, ran unapologetically as a Democrat. Like, he did. There were a couple things that he, no. he didn't see eye to eye on, but he but, very much came out and was like, and I'm I would a Democrat. E- I would even say, like, he ran more as a more of a progressive than I expected. Yes. And then, like, some people probably advised him to do Yes. Like, there were undoubtedly people who said, do not go on television and defend a woman's right to choose. Yeah. Undoubtedly, there were, 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 yeah. were people who said that. Yeah. And he did. My family's from Alabama. I thought for sure Roy Moore was going to win mm-hmm. that election. Even after all the allegations came out. How did your family feel about it? We didn't talk about it. <laughs> That's probably smart, actually. We, didn't, we actually didn't talk about it at all. Um, so, like, look, I, I guess I agree with kind of the, the, the these these people who are saying, like, don't try and pick a fight with every Trump supporter that you meet. Right. Right? Like, offer them something. If you're running for office, office offer them something. Show them that... Medicare for all, yeah. universal health care. How great would it be if you are a totally. farmer in Iowa and you don't have to worry about health care or paying for your child's college? And I actually, I talked to, uh, when I talked to Van Jones and to Sally Cohn, who's also a CNN commentator and a, and a progressive, she endorsed Bernie Sanders in the primary, um, I, I actually asked them about this in particular. You know, both of them are not just liberals, but sort of from the, I mean, I mean, you know, Van Jones is for Medicare for all. He's for some of these, I think for free college, you know, so, so it's not as though their message is we've got to have a centrist policy agenda. You know, I think it's about tone and I think it's about, you know, they feel like there's more to be gained and that there's more just it's sort of a more morally justified position to just sort of have empathy. But again, I'm not I don't I don't want to act as though it's not difficult because yeah. it is, no, it is. It's, it's, it's complicated. It's very complicated. You know, but like, look, you got to figure out that. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of this will be solved, like, you know, when the candidate emerges in 2020. Sure. You know, that will be the person who has sort of figured this out the best. All right. Uh, let's Hopefully. Take a, let's take a very, very, very quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be joined by politics reporter at Think Progress, Addie Baird. We will have lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, the gun uh, situation here in America is as bad as it has ever been. Will that change? Addie's been doing some reporting about that. And we're going to talk about The Bachelor. Look at how excited Ray is. Stay tuned. It's a very, very quick break. We'll be right back. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video, news commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting here for Bill Press today here on the program. 
The program. The program. March 7th today. My God, it's March 7th already. Folks. Daylight savings this weekend. Come on. Oh, we spring forward. The worst. I'm sorry. The worst. Uh, I was in such a good mood, and now I just remember. It's just going downhill real fast. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah. I have a 7 a.m. spin class on Sunday. Now it's going to feel like it's 6. It'll be dark. That, that was me looking for an excuse to not go to spin class, by mm. the way. Do you really have a 7 a.m. spin class on Sunday? Yeah, that's right. Honey Why Pig is open at 7 a.m.? Huh? <laughs> I admire that. That gym opens at 4 a.m. And too. I've been there when it opened before. I know. You guys are nuts. Well, you know. I guess I'm here. Gotta so be I a paleo <laughs> warrior. You know, you gotta be a paleo warrior, sister. Um, that is the voice of Addie Baird. She's politics reporter at Think Progress and the voice of staff reporter at the New Republic. Graham Vice, who is here with us for the hour. I want to point out really quickly, you can follow both of these fine people on Twitter. Uh, follow Graham on Twitter at Graham Vise, that's V-Y-S-E, and Addie Baird at Addie Sue. Good morning. Hello, Addie Sue. I'm on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. I would follow them before you follow me. I don't tweet that often, first of yeah, all. Yeah, although you were like, I'm getting off Twitter, and now you're like kind of back. Here's the deal. Come on. I did get off of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I did get off of Twitter for, it was like two months-ish, but then uh, we we had a producer on the show who left to go to get a, take another job, right. and I, you kind of have to have Twitter mm-hmm. to do my job, so I had to come back to Twitter, but uh, the, one of the reasons I'm mentioning Twitter so much is uh, Addie... I always know when to close Twitter down. Sure, sure, sure. When all of the people that I know at the same time start tweeting about The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should f- close it but keep, like, my tweets open because mine are good. I, I'm sure all of yours are good, but, like, The Bachelor <laughs> usually comes on when it's when I'm, like, ready to go to bed. Monday nights at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> literally, per, li- literally doing a promo for the show. Yeah, yeah seriously. It's not. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Okay. So. All right. All right. So uh, let me just say this: I have never seen one moment of The Bachelor. Not Neither even like I. a snippet. I not am a, not a moment. Not a moment. I think so. No. I think you guys would love it. I think you would I think too. You're wrong. No, no, no. I here's the thing. I've had this fight with pretty much every guy I've ever dated, where it's mm. like. Hey, I have a standing commitment on Mondays at eight o'clock, and if you would like to spend time with me on Mondays, like there's a show that I that's you like have to, to watch. just just to. I think that's fair. That's like I do good too. entry okay. level stuff, right? I like, agree. If you're gonna date me, Mondays <laughs> at eight o'clock, there are parameters. Yeah, there are and parameters. one of them, I have standards. Okay, but the thing is, everyone has always been like, oh, I don't want to watch that dumb show, and within like. One day, I like open Instagram. And they, I put, it's like a DM of a Bachelor contestant's like post about the show, and I'm like, every time you get sucked in. You get sucked in. Okay, for those that are not familiar with the Bachelor, sure. Let's just set this up. Sure. Okay. The idea is there's a man, a single man, also known as the Bachelor. A Bachelor. Yeah. Not a Bachelor. The Bachelor. The Bachelor. And there is a group of about how many women? Thirty women. Thirty women. Yes. To be clear, are... there is also the Bachelorette. Where right. Okay. All right. Switch. Yes. But they are all vying for the attention of the Bachelor, mm-hmm. and at the it, does he vote them off? Yes. That's called a rose ceremony. He votes women off. Yes. He Seems votes women off. Cruel. It's sort of like speed dating as well. They have these cocktail parties yes. where they meet with 
you know, the contestants for like five minutes or so each. Mm-hmm. And, and so then... he gets to know these women. Yes. Whether or not he wants to get them, know, gets to know them more. And if he doesn't, he pisses their pack, pack your bags, get out. Yes. And then at the end of the show, the end of the season, right. the bachelor proposes marriage to these women, to so a it's woman? Interesting. That is what basically happens now with every season. It ends in a proposal. It's not, it doesn't have to. That's not like an official rule of the show. In the early days of The Bachelor, that used to happen less. People would be like, let's just date in real life more. Yeah. Um, but that's lame. It's way more fun <laughs> to propose to someone you've spent like 72 hours with. And uh, so, yeah, normally it ends with someone down on one knee and they literally have spent like, you know, three days tops with these people. But they're in love. Are they in love? <laughs> no, of course How not. How much time do they actually <laughs> spend? I, it, I literally think it it's like four days. I think it actually is. They have tallied up the number of minutes that a contestant yeah. gets to spend with the bachelor or the bachelorette. And it is less than one week. Yeah. Okay, you you realize this is clown shoes crazy. No, yes. Yes. Peter, okay. I, yes. I fully agree with your adjective choice of dumb. The show is so, so dumb. dumb. But it is a wonderful critical lens to view society through. It's also wonderful escapist television. <laughs> that okay, I get that. You can view it on the dumb level, like just like this is... So entertaining and so stupid, but also like there are lots of parallels between what's happening in The Bachelor and sort of like the general feel of society. Yes. Go on. Where even to begin? Graham is suspicious. Graham is okay. First, first, let's talk about. Okay, first, I'm not suspicious. I'm just curious. Here's something that you can relate to, Peter. Um, You said that you love talking about diversity in Hollywood, right? And we just had Marina Fang, our friend from HuffPost, on talking about how time and time again, when a diverse movie cast hits the big screen. People show up and they buy tickets. They want more of that content. And Hollywood repeatedly has answered with Scarlett Johansson whitewashing another Asian role, for example. Sure. All right. So just last season was The Bachelorette because it alternates between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. They finally, finally had a person of color as the lead. It was the first African-American Bachelorette. That was, I think, the 13th season of The Bachelorette. And we're up to like 20 some odd seasons of The Bachelor. Yeah. It's been on for that long? Yeah. How many years? Like when was the when did it start? Oh, like two thousand two? Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Okay, so then like the Bachelorette before Rachel oh, was the first African American <laughs> Bachelorette. Yeah. Um it was Jojo Fletcher, who is half Iranian, and that was completely sort of sussed out of her role, even though outside of the Bachelor she has largely talked about how that that cultural influence does come through in her upbringing and in her person. Okay, I I understand and I appreciate that it's like dumb, turn off your brain television. I have some of those shows, right? Like, I get that. But, like... (laughs) But it's not just that. That's the point. It's so much more than that. Like, the conversations that we have about The Bachelor and the way that, like, men and women interact with each other and the way that, like, diversity is portrayed or sussed out or, you know highlighted on television and the way that we like talk about the the role of women in in like dating situations and the way that we talk about like i like to think about 
capitalism and The Bachelor. Sure. Yes. Because this show is so deeply like yachts and planes and traveling around the world and gowns and like it's this it's this dating world that makes capitalism so beautiful and you give gowns and jewelry and you fly on your private jet to Scottsdale. Um, <laughs> but like it's this it's that's one of the other parts of this is that it's like we can talk about the relationship between the bachelor and capitalism and the way that like dating and mm. capitalism are tied together. Yeah. And, and how are they tied together as as illustrated by the bachelor? I mean, they're tied together in the ways that I think we're all aware of. I think of that that um seen from Parks and Rec all the time where um yeah, we may be hitting on a reference that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you remember? Um, Sorry, guys, I, I didn't watch Parks. And Peter's out for the count here. <laughs> just like take there's over. a part where Andy's a character. Age. I don't says, watch situation comedies. Uh, well, what, Sorry, what do you watch? I just I watch the BBC. Oh, that's your escape of television. So Andy, yeah, do you yeah. remember? Do you know what I'm about to reference? Andy says, "I forgot that dating costs money." Yeah, yeah. And I think of that all the time. That it's like. We we forget that, like, these interpersonal relationships that we're supposed to have, the, like, idealized versions of dating in America are expensive. Mm -hmm. And The Bachelor gives you the most expensive version of that and makes it look beautiful and makes it seem like... The way to fall in love is to have private jets and go to Bora Bora and get, you know, get engaged at Machu Picchu. I think that another important thing that the show, like going back to the the diversity point, is just that it also very much pushes and packages this heteronormative view of dating. Totally. And of people in general. Like they were just talking about how big of a deal it was that this woman named Becca, not not the new Bachelorette, there were two Beccas, was There's on the show Becca, this season. Becca M and Becca K. Yes, I'm talking about <laughs> Becca M. Yes. Okay. Becca M had a pixie cut, and she was the first woman to ever have a pixie cut on this show in 20-odd seasons because they all have long, curled, pretty much identical hair. And it's 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 literally like it, everyone loved Becca with the short hair, and it was... Becky this, with the good hair. Becky with the good hair. <laughs> Becca with the short hair, and she also wore flats on the Women Tell All, and that felt like revolutionary because it's it these these very simple things are pushing. I was just, our like, why is that revolutionary? Because I'm, pushing, I'm that's that the point. is the is, point. Right. It's not. That's the point. Right. But they're pushing this show that is so dedicated to this one type of woman. The simplest things feel like. <gasps> Right. We're 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 like looking at beauty but, in some other way. Yes, I think that this is kind of like a fishbowl experiment, right? Like there are so many people like us that are watching this with a critical eye, but I think that there might be more people that are watching it through not through a critical lens. And this is the type of femininity and of womanhood and of dating and of life that they are consuming, and this is what they've come to expect and what. Right, they like want. So yeah. it speaks to like the standards that are presented for women and for and for men, right? In terms yes. Of, yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Well, and and so much that's one of the things that's also really interesting about this and the way that the show has kind of changed and grown is that now these contestants become social media stars like immediately and they get these Instagram followings and they like sell tea and whatever. But this 
Becca with the short hair girl uh, is so f- interesting to follow on Instagram because as far as Bachelor contestants go, she's very real. And she posted something on her Instagram story the other day that was like a picture of her face and she had no makeup on and she had some acne. And she was like, everyone tells me I have flawless skin, but actually I'm wearing three foundations. <laughs> and I was like, I love that because we o- we also never talk about like how much work goes into looking like these women. And I... I feel myself watching the show being like, I want to be that pretty. And then I'm like, I don't have four hours to be <laughs> yeah. ready every morning. So I, I having listened to um, you guys talk about the show and explain it, I, I find it interesting. But at the end of it all, I, I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident that it's a no for me. Can I sell you, can I sell you on a completely different aspect of it that maybe do, do you like drama? I like real drama. Okay, it is real drama. Okay. So there was a tweet last night that I really like from a former Obama staffer but that it was like me talking to my parents about The Bachelor and she was like Ari is the most hated man in America. And her parents were like, isn't Trump the president? And she was like, Ari is the most hated man in America. <laughs> so this Bachelor season has been pretty boring until okay. the very end he proposes to becca the new bachelor who's now the new bachelorette and then changes his mind and goes back to the other woman and i was so engaged with this, this is that against the rules is that the, against, against no, the no it's not rules? against the rules it's actually happened before one other time um and the guy, the woman that he switched to they're still married and they have a kid but like it was so they literally turned this into a five hour over two days ordeal because it was like so dramatic and um oh I'm gonna say Bachelor Nation unironically, so just just prepare yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bachelor Nation was oh. so upset and it was like I I was so invested in this show and so the drama of it alone is genuinely so enjoyable. I'm going to say, okay, Addy, you might kill me, but I think that, okay, here's what they did. He decided to break up with Becca, who was the original woman that he proposed to, on air. Yeah, no, and I'm not going to kill you. You're they, right about this. They filmed it live. First of all, he decided to do it on air. They filmed it um, at the time when it was happening in L.A. And then they aired it un quote unquote unedited, although there were multiple times when the screen went black. So I, I think that counts as an edit. But um, they aired it in its entirety for 30 minutes. And you can just see this woman crumbling because I know that it is unrealistic for them to fall in love. But I do believe that maybe some of them are genuine in their attraction and willingness to make this work. So for 30 minutes, they're just showing this woman getting completely heartbroken and Ari you can see him multiple times kind of looking back at producers like should I keep going should I keep going and he like follows her and you know there are millions of people around the nation watching this and I think that it speaks to a really deep and cynical part of America that like we find this entertaining well which is sort of the whole I mean there's a lot of this in American Idol or at least there used to be that this sort of the whole impulse to watch people be destroyed by Simon Cowell or whatever I mean that's like that is a huge part of the appeal. I mean, probably, and that probably doesn't, that, say, doesn't say anything good about it. I think probably. that's also the right. appeal of Donald Trump is that yeah. some people just think that it's funny. Right. Right. I mean, some people just want to watch the world burn. Right. <laughs> okay. And that's essentially what this is. Thank, You're watching. Thank, thank God someone burn. made a highbrow, you know, <laughs> yeah. pop culture reference on this show this morning. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right.
Right, there are lots of people who are thrilled that we're talking about The Bachelor. There are a lot of people who are annoyed that we're talking about The Bachelor. All I will say is, <laughs> and, and that's fine. All I will say is, <laughs> is like, how, I got to get this is, under control. No, that is that is every 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 time you engage with anything about The Bachelor. Yeah, people are thrilled and people are upset and there's no one in between. Like, yeah. If you're going to talk about Donald Trump seriously, then you also have to talk about reality television. That's a fair point. But let me just say, like The Bachelor, you can you can you cannot argue with its popularity. Sure. And I think that like I still after this the, after this thought provoking conversation that we've had, it's, from which I feel like I've learned quite a bit. I are you going to watch I The Bachelor? We're going to have a viewing party. Not. And <laughs> That's it. Of you are invited. <laughs> I'm not going to watch yeah. it, but I am still fascinated by it. And, Come and, for the beer, stay for yeah. the roses. Sure. Yeah. So, but I but I do think like look, you can't deny the popularity of a show like sure. that. And then when you look at like what it actually means and what's actually behind it, like that, I think that's engaging and that's that's an interesting conversation to have. Meanwhile, by the way, uh, you have been writing. I have been writing about not non bachelor <laughs> stuff. I have a real well, not that the bachelor is not a real job, but I have a job that is not this. <laughs> Fair. I referenced one of your stories earlier today, Walmart and Dicks. Uh, yeah. Last week, I guess it was, we were talking about how. Uh, Dix was the first to come out. They said they're raising the the age of 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 people to buy guns from eighteen mm-hmm. to twenty one, and they will no longer sell AR fifteens or high capacity magazines or high capacity magazines. Yeah. Walmart uh, followed suit, followed by other stores like Kroger. Kroger's, if you would like to buy a gun at a grocery store, I, I did not realize that was a thing. There are apparently yeah. in some other Western states yeah. they sell guns there. Yep. Um, how has this impacted their uh, overall favorability in business, Abby? It's been actually quite good for them. Um, so this has been an ongoing conversation. It's connected to um, the question of how companies that recently cut ties with the NRA's popularity was um, was impacted. Um, and for for Dix and for Walmart, this has been good for them. We saw there's a YouGov brand index tracks, you know, like I think 1,600 some odd brands every day. And they, they, you know, unconnected to anything, they just ask, uh, you know, have you heard? I don't know exactly how they phrase the question. They have a buzz question. Mm. But it's basically they ask, like, have over the last week, have you heard more positive or more negative things about this company? So they've been tracking Walmart and Dick's, and once they uh, raised the age, Walmart already didn't sell AR-15s or high-capacity magazines. So they now have the same policy where you have to be 21. They're not going to they're not going to sell AR-15s. They're not going to sell high-capacity magazines. And um, Dick's popularity went up by about four points, if I am remembering correctly, and Walmart's went up by 12.3. So. People were really impressed. This went over really well for them. I, you know, I said earlier, as soon as the, as soon as Dix made the announcement, I went out and purchased something at Dix, just because, and, and like, I needed a new gym bag, right? Did I, you really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not trying to give myself any kudos or anything, but like, I, I believe that like voting with your dollars is very important, right. and like, I don't think that Dix, frankly, went far enough, but. Like, I've gone into Dick's before, and I've seen their row of guns that they have in their in that, that corner of, of the Dick's Sporting Goods shop. And, yeah. like, they believe in outdoors, uh, you know, hunting and things like that. And I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but, like... We know that this happens on the right all the time. Yeah. After mass shootings, uh, 
gun sales skyrocket, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing happened with bump stocks. When we started talking about bump stocks after Vegas, bump stocks suddenly got very popular. And I think you make a really interesting point that this can happen on the left as well. You When, when companies like Walmart and Dick's take steps like they did, they aren't cut like like they aren't cutting out they're welcoming a, a whole new subset of people who yeah. want to vote with their dollars yeah. well, in another way and isn't part of the calculus that this is, it just makes good business sense for them because their constituency their their clientele is actually much broader than for example republican base primary voters. So in other words, there's I don't I don't think it's that surprising that there would be, you know, that they would behave differently than than, say, the Republican Party or sort of the conservative movement, because there are an awful lot of Democrats and progressives who are shopping at these places. I think you're right. It it, it feels like it makes sense. But Mm -hmm. I do think it is surprising to some people because we have this sense when we talk about guns in America that the NRA has a stranglehold on everything. The NRA doesn't even have a stranglehold on gun owners. Um, A majority of gun owners support, uh, you know, when we talk about kind of these these sensible gun reforms, um, a majority of gun owners support increasing background checks. I think it's literally like 48% of gun owners even think that we should uh, ban assault-style weapons and high-capacity magazines. I think that's about 44%. We were just talking about this. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's really, when you actually dig in... That NRA kind of absolutist position isn't actually appealing to that many people. So there's no reason for a company that wants to make money to stand firm to that. The way to appeal to people is to appeal to what they actually want, what they what we know they actually believe. Yeah. Yeah. I just so now we're like at, at this point. We've only got about a minute left in the show, but like no, now, we've talked about the bachelor for so long. We've talked about the bachelor for like forever, uh, but now we're at this point where like I really do feel like something has changed with the gun control uh, talk. I really do feel like we're at a different sort of turning. So, point. can I ask you a really quick question? Sure. Um, the after Vegas, the NRA was um, going to run ads in the Virginia gubernatorial race, and they paused it for three weeks, yeah. and in hopes that they would be able to have everyone forget what happened. It's yeah. been three weeks since Parkland. Do you think we're going to keep having this conversation? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really do. For a lot of different reasons. I think the timing is important. We've got the midterms coming up. I think that you've got these kids that were... I I, I referenced yesterday, right? This is like the Bane clip from The Dark Knight Rises. These kids were born into the darkness. Yeah. Donald Trump really adapted to it. This is The Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.